world isn't ready for this. Oh, we're live. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, September 11th, 2018, the day after my birthday. And this is Illusions Destroyed, your favorite podcast for the few of you who do watch this. Um, my name is Garrett All Vassell. All five of you. All five of you. Yes, thanks for watching. Uh, my name is Garrett Vassell, and with me, as always, is the lovely Tasha Rose and the beautiful Christopher Jackson. <laughs> yes. How's it going? It's going. It's going, guys. Uh, how is everyone doing? How, how's the first week of school, of homeschool going, Tasha? Well, we're into our second week, and I'm freaking exhausted. It's really tiring to homeschool your children, and that is no joke. It's pretty exhausting. Um, and today was a day, like we had one good day on the ticker and that was yesterday. <laughs> so hopefully it turns around tomorrow. But today it was like every single thing my children could do to be annoying happened. It was constant, mom, 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 can I eat every five minutes? <laughs> every five minutes, can I eat? Or some kind of whining happening or some kind of instigation between siblings to cause some kind of dramatic happening at the school table and oh but I kept my calm but it was stressful and then by the end of the day I was like stop touching me and stop talking to me <laughs> I don't <laughs> <I'm> done <laughs> well I'm glad you survived so that we could do the show and I guess uh we can we can sort of jump into different topics of interest for us uh I didn't really have a chance to do show prep. I just started my new job at my old job. Uh, so I've been writing a ton, having to deal with hour long commutes. Mm -hmm. So that blows. Yeah, I deal with that too, sir. No I know. Fun. I know. So I understand your pain. Usually I have like all day to prepare for this. And, you know, mm -hmm. now I don't, even though I'm basically writing news anyway. However, right. it being September 11th today, didn't really have a whole lot of time to write a oh, lot what? of... It's September 11th? Yeah, you know, you have to mention it at least one time <laughs> that uh, today is September, September 11th. 11th. Yes, yes, it did. Something what bad happened. Mean? Something bad. 17 years ago, okay? 17 years ago, Lee Greenwood came out with that God Bless the USA song that you heard nonstop for a good decade. That wasn't, guys, he didn't, he came out with that a long time before that. Oh yeah, but then it became yeah, popular sure again. Popularized. Oh, I'm thinking of Toby Keith right. and his, uh, right. and then we'll put a boot Toby in your ass. Keith, yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's the American You way. say, you make fun of it, but I, I jammed that song and it's my, one of my brother's too, favorite songs. Lie. Yeah. I think everybody did. So, you guys brought to my attention. We had a minute of, we had a minute of national unity for like a week. We did. Yeah, I will say that New York had a state unity for a good year or two after that. It was kind of cool, honestly. Yeah. So were you in New? You were in New York when all that happened, right? I was. <laughs> yes, I was. I, uh, I had, and I'm, I'm actually. Because I watched um, Mike talk about it on Revenge of the Sis today, um, 
me and Mike were actually working at the IRS together, and we had just lost our jobs uh, a couple of weeks before that because e-filing and all that kind of stuff. And um, um, I remember, and it's funny because it's actually a very similar story to the one he gave today on his show, but I remember I was sleeping when the first plane hit the tower, and my mom was working in Manhattan at the time, and she called me, and she's all frantic. She's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you be okay? And she's like, turn on the, the television. And I was like, what channel? And she's like, any channel, Chris. And I was like, oh, all right. And I turned I it on. Just yeah, yeah. And I turned it on just in time to see the second tower go down. It was pretty crazy. And it was, you know, I was, it was about a week, about a week and a half before my 21st birthday. So there was a lot of confusion. Yeah, I was 10, so I'd... Wow. I was just going to say, can you guys imagine that somebody who was born on that day is going to graduate right. high school at the end of the school year? Like, that, that's... Because to me, it feels like a couple of years ago, you know? Right, yeah. right. It doesn't feel like 17 years ago, but I guess... Yeah, you know, it doesn't. It's... It doesn't feel like 17 years ago at all. I found out I was pregnant a week after that. Wow. That was pretty intense. Um. I woke up, I lived in Colorado at the time, and somebody else pointed out something about Denver, like, becoming our capital if Washington, D.C. gets taken because NORAD is there, and I lived right at the foot of Cheyenne Mountain, so, of course, everybody's freaking out that NORAD's going to get hit next, you know, and um, I, I woke up just before the first tower got hit, and I turned on the TV, and all of this was happening, and we're like, what the hell happened? And then all of a sudden, that second plane hit the second tower, and it was, like, nonstop watching TV for the next two days. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And also, like, watching the skies, because, you know, like I said, NORAD and Colorado Springs, and you're like... Time. You know? And I, I remember my mom got stuck in the city that night. They weren't letting anybody in or on or off the island. And uh, so she got stuck. She had to find a place to stay. And, you know, it was just crazy. I actually had friends who, um, who worked in the towers, um, two of them. And coincidentally, they both called in that day. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. But, uh. I did have a couple other friends who parents worked there and unfortunately died. Um, it was just a crazy time. So much confusion, you know. We were, we were, I mean, we were adults, but we were just kids. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just trying to make sense of it. it. It was just, it was just nutty. Still gets me uh, a little choked up when I, like, watch documentaries or something, you know. Yeah, and tributes to it. Yeah. Right. I got choked up today watching an old Sammy Sosa video running out with the American flag and mm -hmm. it had to do with the Cubs too didn't hurt and just was bawling like a baby and my boss was like, Why are you crying? Like, stop being a baby. Stop <laughs> It was so Sammy Sosa. I was like, It's the Cubs and it was Wrigley and it meant something. Okay. Okay, that's enough. Okay, we said we were gonna we're going to try to get away with not talking about 9-11. And uh, so that, that was our three minutes on the topic. 
And now we can move on to current events, things that have happened within the last couple of days. I had no idea that Alex Jones had been completely removed, or Infowars had been completely completely removed from the uh, Apple App Store. And yes. they're saying they're saying it's because of um, his harassment of the CNN. Uh, personality. I don't. I didn't. I still haven't seen that video. I didn't. I don't even know who it was or what he said to him. But that's the reason that's being given for the Infowars app being taken down, which I think is it's kind of ridiculous. But it is still on the Google Play Store. I just double checked. Um, I downloaded it just you know in the solidarity of free speech. I don't mm -hmm. go on. I don't use it. Um, but yeah, it's still in the the Apple Play Store but not, not Apple. I mean, Google Play Store, not Apple. Yeah, it's, uh, they're being pretty much shamed, or at least news outlets, it seems like, are trying to shame Google for still having it up there because they're saying, uh, Band InfoWars app has been taken off, you know, the Apple Store, but it's still on Google Play. It's, of course. Right, right. Yeah, I've got a, a uh, article by Newsweek pulled up here. It's Apple, Apple or InfoWars app remains active on Google Play Store despite big tech backlash. Um, Google's official app marketplace is one of the last mainstream platforms hosting content shared by InfoWars, the news outlet managed by Texas and talk show host Alex Jones. The Play Store where Android users download software, blah, 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 has declined to remove the app despite widespread condemnation from other technology and social media companies. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It, it just harkens to all of these other social pressures, like how Brown took down that study about um, ROGD trans kids. And, you know, it's all of these, well, if you are not on the right think side, right. <laughs> you know, right. you are toast. You are a social pariah, and we are going to make sure everybody knows that Shame. you are wrong think. Shame, Google. Shame. <laughs> You see it. This it's the um. What is that? Uh, Game of Thrones. Shame. shame yeah. Shame. Exactly. Make them do the naked walk. You know. Through the middle of the town. <laughs> yeah, and that's what that's what they're doing. Like really, that is what they're doing. Is this this naked shame walk? And it's 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 absurd. Orwell it's... was like spot on with all of this. And what's yep. so funny to me about citing Orwell is that the left constantly thinks that he was you know, predicting something to do with conservatives being fascists. And he was actually critiquing the left and liberals, you know, and, and, and he knew it. And who else? Um, Ronald Reagan knew it. You know, fascism would come to the United States in the form of liberalism. Okay. So according to Daily Mail, uh, Apple said the guidelines that Jones violated were defense defamatory, discriminatory, and mean-spirited comment, including commentary about religion, race, sexual orientation, gender, national, ethnic origin, or targeted groups, particularly if the app is likely to humiliate, intimidate, or place a targeted individual or group in harm's way. It's like, if you talk about everyone. anything, yes, if you talk about it's anything, so ridiculous. if you talk about anything and someone takes it the wrong way, then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, you're violating policies because Billy Joe over here is kind of, you know, upset and it, it made him sad. So now we got to take your app off like right. Flappy Birds or right. something like that could upset someone, you know, because it's like, oh, well, I don't like this bird 
dying after level four, you know, that upset me. Why don't you take that app off? Right. I don't, I, I just don't understand. Whatever happened to like, you know, boycotting, you know, or turning something you didn't want to see off? A good old fashioned right. boycott. Like, why is it better to take the choice from you? That doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And because everybody. It doesn't. Because they're better at making choices for you. They're, they know better than you. They know what's better for you than you do. You know, it's funny. I just had a conversation this afternoon with a woman who thought that um, free speech advocates need to get on the bandwagon of um, making sure that porn isn't everywhere. And while I agree with her about, you know, we need to band together and make sure that kids aren't having accidental access to porn and that we don't have porn pop-ups happening all the time. We can't, like, it's already been ruled that porn is free speech. It was ruled that it was free speech before we really understood the damaging effects of porn. And I think that if it were to be revisited today, there might be some give on, on whether or not it's free speech. Yeah. Um, that being said, right now, it's considered free speech in these United States. And we can disagree with it and we can challenge that court decision, but you, you don't get to limit speech. And she was like totally in favor of limiting speech with regard to this issue. And I was like, but she, she also is gender critical. And I was like, but listen, you don't want free speech limited when you're talking about the trans issue. So why do you want it limited in talking about the porn issue? You can't, attack this this way you have to attack the industry you can't attack the right laws that gives us the ability to attack this industry right you know? she just wasn't understanding it there was just a serious disconnect and you know we're, we're to the point now i sent you guys this article earlier from um the the federalist that uk police are urging citizens to report on their yeah in offensive or insulting speech if I mean, someone says something mean Right. I know a woman and I know personally, well, personally, like via one of the organizations I work with who is gender critical and was hauled into uh, the police station There's a, and, and spoken to because of some Twitter posts that she made about being gender critical. And then there's a woman, Linda Bellows, who I've mentioned before, said in a conversation that if she were to be attacked by trans people, she would defend herself. Well, now she's being sued for saying that she would physically defend herself. What? Like, this is the kind of stuff that's happening. And it's not just with the trans issue. It's with everything. And, you know, you can be a racist. Be a racist all you want to be a racist. Like, you have the freedom to do that. You know? You are allowed to do that. You are allowed to call people the N-word. You're allowed to be just the biggest racist in the whole wide world. The thing you're not allowed to do is in directly incite violence against people of another race. You know, mm -hmm. you can't directly incite violence against gay people. You can't directly incite violence against Christians or, or Muslims or anybody based on their religion. You, that's what you can't do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's insane to say that we can limit speech and then, be a brown shirt, <laughs> you know, report on your neighbors. Yeah. If you see something, say something. I mean. Well, it's just it's so reversed of what it should be. This is, it's getting out of control. Well, yeah, it, totally. Yeah, it has, and it, 
it's along the lines of like absolving people from personal responsibility. Like, in, like specifically speaking on the porn issue, like, as you said, Tasha, you know, we're starting to understand the damaging effects that it has on people. Like, so then if you know that it's up to you to educate other people or educate your kids well, on that, as opposed to, Oh, well, yes, this affects my kid. So everyone has to, you know, agree with me right. on this thing or everyone has to do it because I say it's good or bad. Right. And if you don't, I'm going to get the government to compel you to. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Do you want the government parenting your children or do you want to parent your children? She goes, I don't have children. And I was like, yeah, that's obvious. Yeah. That kind I was of... like, the, the onus is on me as a parent to protect my children from things like that. And we do that, you know, right. <laughs> we make sure that, we check our children's devices for things that they shouldn't have on them. We, you know, they don't have unrestricted internet access. We don't even have a television in our house, you oh. know? So, but what do you say to the parents who don't want to invest that much time in their kids' lives? What do you, what do you say to the parent who would rather get home and watch some television and let get your priorities straight? Sure. That's what you say. Yeah. That's what you have to do. It's a social well, pressure. Well, issue. you're a bigot. Get your priorities straight. I'm a bigot. Cause well, I think yeah. that parents who don't want to spend time with their children to have their priorities like so. <laughs> I mean, it's the same argument that, that actually my husband just posed to me the other day when we were having a rhetorical conversation about anarchy, in fact. And he was like, well, what about, what about educating children? I said, it's the parents' responsibility. Well, what about the parents who don't take that responsibility seriously? I'm sorry, it's unfortunate for their children, but right. it's not my responsibility. Yeah, don't come that's back right. and wonder. And I, I feel bad for those kids, but they, you know, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not my responsibility to raise your kids. Yeah, and don't come back right. in 20 years and wonder why your kid got the short end of the stick. That's right. right. Don't come back in 20 years and say to me, where were you when, and I was like, I was telling you what was wrong. Yeah. I was telling you what you were doing wrong, and you just turned a blind eye to it. Because you thought you had it all figured out. Freedom, because I don't believe in tyranny, so I didn't try to compel you into anything, you know? <laughs> On what you said, though, about people, you know, questioning whether or not the government should raise their kid there are it does seem like there are a lot of people though who do think that it's society's job to raise their offspring like they they believe that yes. you know they look at uh, well, they the, only think that i was sorry i oh, was gonna say they only believe that because they're being selfish and they want more them time yes you know? sure between that, that and go ahead like I, i've just noticed like i can't remember what uh scandinavian country it was but that like you know, you've seen that they, they give uh, new parents like a baby box or whatever. And it's like, you know, they give all of these supplies for their kid. And, you know, the, the box can be used as a crib for the first year or, you know, whatever. It, but there is like that model's already out there where people are already relying on the government to play a pretty big role in raising their kid. And so they sure. see that and they're like, oh, we should have that here. So that way I don't have to work as hard to give my, you know, my kids, the thing that they need to succeed, I can just pretty much rely right. on everyone else to do that. Right. So just an interesting aside, since you brought up the whole baby box thing, they've started introducing those here in the United States, like you just said, and they have them locally here in Minnesota, and they're free if you take this education, this online education, and take a little quiz at the end of the education. And it's all very standard, like textbook, <clears throat> put your baby on its back to sleep and you know, like all these do's and don'ts that the government says you should be doing to take care of your baby. 
and I took the quizzes and I answered everything how they wanted me to answer it, but I took it only so that I could see, I, didn't, I never went to go pick up the box because I have no use for it. But I went to, I went through it just to see what it was. And it was like all of these like textbook, what the government says, here's, here's how you, you handle this accessory of yours and here's the box to put it in, <laughs> you know, here's your new, crazy. Congrats on your new toy. Right, right. And that's, that's how we see children as a society, we see them as a toy, but then we still have all of that rhetoric from Hillary Clinton in the 90s, it takes a village to raise a child. And while I believe that in the small scale, that's very true. You, this parenting endeavor is not something that you can do alone. It's not even something that's very easy to do with both a mother and a father. It takes a small community, I believe, small tribe of people. Let's call it a family. A child in a good way, a sure. But I mean, fam family, is what I mean like my family I don't speak to my family you know so what is family like we don't have grandparents on my side or my husband's side that we can just readily call up and say hey can you take the kids for the afternoon so I can get caught up on this thing you know yeah. we don't have that so we have to build that ourselves so what does that look like for a modern a modern yeah. family you know because there's so much that's fallen away from traditional family models but we we have walked away from that idea that it takes a not just a mother and a father but a larger family unit to raise a child and we've decided that the village is the government <laughs> you know and and also children are accessories i mean look at how often we see children being forgotten in vehicles and roasting to death in the middle of the summer you know it's because they're an accessory oh well put your phone in the back seat because you know you never forget your phone Right. Wait a second. You're telling me your phone is more important than your kid. They're, they're an accessory you know? and they're, they're good for, you know, they're good for pictures on Instagram right. and Facebook and, yeah. you know, they're getting you likes, but then you got to ultimately raise the thing. I mean, yeah. to, to me, I think it's kind of crazy that we're, <laughs> I would rather read a book by a counselor or a psychologist or something along those lines, somebody who went to school for that kind of thing about, raising children. And I'm not saying that I'd want to read any book, but I'm just saying I would rather than read a book by the government. Like I would rather go to a mother who has had there you go. the opportunity to be home with her children and see them raised from birth to graduation and everything that goes along with that, that a mother who's not adhering to the government prescriptions of how to raise a child I'd rather go to that woman. You should write that. And her, and her partner. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> I, I'd rather go to her and her husband than I would rather go to anybody else, honestly. I'm kind of, how did we get here? You, we said, oh, we said something about free speech and who's, yeah. Free speech and porn, porn raising and your kids. Responsibility. Yes, the best okay. defense against porn is good parenting is basically what the conclusion we're coming to on this. Yes. Agreed, agreed. Okay, that's settled. Wow. I was just like, man, we are like, not re I mean, I was going to say jumping from thing to thing, but we pretty much jumped to one place and then, because I could talk about <laughs> it all day. It was kind of like, it was kind of like oh. here's the path and then, oh, look, this is interesting over this way. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, and I'm not a parent, but bad parenting is a pet peeve of mine. It has been pretty much since I've hit adulthood. Yes. And I can go on rants for hours about bad parenting and what it does and you know why parents do it and you know it's 
it's disgusting to me. It really is. And Tasha being a parent, obviously it's something she thinks about, I'm sure. And yeah, I could, I could have this conversation for an entire show. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we can keep at it because I, I just had another thought come to mind. Whereas it's the people who rely on, you know, a good society to raise their kid that are doing society a disservice by not raising the kid, like yeah. by not yeah. raising a kid exactly. themselves. And, you know, and, and you're not doing the kid any favors. The kid's just going to grow up to basically be a selfish jerk. No fault of its own, but it's going to be a selfish jerk that nobody wants to be around, you right. know? And when it actually, I mean, I guess college is a safe space now. So once it gets out of college and, and gets a, a real world job, it's going to get smacked in the face. Like, wait, I, I'm 23 years old and I have absolutely no idea what it's like to be told no. Right. <laughs> you know, because my parents wanted as little to do with me as possible because they were busy, whatever, doing whatever they were doing, playing their app games and Snapchatting and playing with right. the cat. Then, right. you know, then they were raising me. So they just said, yeah, whatever, whatever you want, little four-year-old, you know? And so now I have no idea how to be told no and how to deal with it. And right. those are, the, those are the, the, the kids that commit suicide at 30 <clears throat> years old because life is just too much for them. Yeah, it right. hits them like a ton of bricks and they don't know how to cope. Right. Yeah. Or they become drug addicts or they become sex addicts or some sort of abuser or abusee. This is what's wrong with society. Bad parenting, I believe, is the catalyst of all society's evils. Preach. Preach. Like, not even joking. My husband and I talk about this all the time. Um, with, between ourselves and with other people. How the world has changed, and I honestly believe this. How the world has changed happens in how we have babies how we raise them, and how we feed them. Those three things are what will change the world. If we are, <clears throat> I'm going to go on a little bit of a woman rant right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh-oh. If women would stop paying attention to obstetric gynecological medicine and get back to understanding that their bodies know how to birth a baby and their bodies know how to feed a baby, and I, I, there's a whole cluster that I could get into on that. But it's basically something that's been robbed of women since just around the turn of the century, right after the turn of the century when uh, modern obstetrics kind of took over the midwifery scene. We went from within less than 100 years, really it was more like 50 years. It, within about 50 years, we went from almost 100% of births at home to almost 100% of births in the hospital. And there's really no reason for that. Um, <clears throat> we have continued to spike in our C-section rates. The United States has the worst birth outcomes and um, uh, maternal mortality rates in the developed world. Um, we have breastfeeding rates that are abysmal and there is nowhere in the world that actually meets the UNICEF and World Health Organization standards for how long children should be breastfed. Um, but we are abysmal, <laughs> you know. Um, so how children are born, how they're raised, and we know because science that beating your children impacts their brain. <laughs> like they won't learn as well. They won't have um, the ability to regulate their own emotions. 
in, in a reasonable, healthy manner. Uh, it, you know, there's a whole myriad of cortisol, uh, increase of cortisol in their bodies. I mean, it's really the impact of feeding and even just spanking your children um, are, are astronomical. And then how we feed our children. If you're feeding your kid chicken McNuggets every other day of the week, and then on the opposite days, you're feeding them macaroni and cheese, and they very rarely see a green vegetable, and they think French fries are a vegetable, you have a problem. That's news and to me. And you want to know why your kid is obese. You want to know why your kid has ADHD. You want to know why your kid is struggling to learn in school. Like all of these things, why they just want to sit on the sofa all the time and watch Adventure Time. Like these are the reasons why. And we're failing as a society because nobody wants to shame anybody. Nobody wants to um, come off as judgmental. Except for the select few of us, like myself, who says, um, if you feel ashamed, it's because you're doing something shameful. If you feel like I'm judging you, it's because you're doing something shameful. And, you know, I don't claim to have all of the answers, but I have six very well-adjusted children who have all been breastfed, except for my first, because I didn't um, have all of the information, had a really poor support system, so she was only breastfed for about six months. So everybody else has been breastfed for at least two years. My my second daughter was breastfed for four years. Um, Whoa. And they, yep. They, and the natural age, like your natural weaning age is is anywhere from four to seven. Like that is a natural human weaning age. And people don't know that because of how pornography has influenced how we look at women's bodies and that breasts are dirty sex pillows and, you know, children should be sucking on them. You know, um, so we, I, you know, I've got all of these very well-adjusted children. Five of the six of them were born at home. Five of the six of them were breastfed for at least two years. Um, we don't have to get into the vaccine debate, but I don't vaccinate my children. They have uh, probably an 85% organic diet that I feed them that I cook myself at home. And they're healthy. They are all crazy intelligent. They are all emotionally and behaviorally well-adjusted, though we have a few issues with Gabriel. It's, and I've got my theories as to why, because his temperament is so different than anybody else's in the family. But <clears throat> we have to start with our own families, and, and we have to know that when we're practicing parenting in the right way and our children are becoming adjusted and um, healthy people, that we have a right to say, hmm, you might want to reconsider what you're doing with your kid, mm -hmm. you know, and we have every right to judge because we are doing it right. And if you feel ashamed because I'm telling you, you have a, a shitty way of parenting, you should probably consider that, that you, that you're ashamed for a reason. Um, anyway, that's kind of my rant. I don't feel bad for feeling like I'm a superior parent to other people, honestly, <laughs> because I have children that, that reflect that ability that I, that my husband and I have together. No, it's cool that you feel like you're a good parent. That's a good thing. That is positive. I have my shit moments. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, like you're I said at the beginning of, right. I mean, we've all got bad days. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a bad day today. I was just like totally annoyed with like, the incessant, can I eat? Mom, mom, you know, it was crazy today. I have no idea what that was about, but you know, it wasn't a, a day that made me be off balance or anything. I didn't yeah. scream at my kids. Like, I'm not 
you know, it, mm -hmm. it was just a date. Everybody just had a day today and it was just different. But I do have my times and I'm like, it's usually when I'm pregnant and I want things cleaner than they normally are. And I'm crazy because I'm <laughs> pregnant, you know, um, that I'd like completely lose my shit. But it's very rare that that happens. And um, it's also very human that that happens, yeah. you know? That doesn't, just because I have those moments doesn't mean that the rest of it is right. bad. And it also doesn't mean just because I have those moments that I have no right to judge other people in their parenting. No. As long as those moments aren't constant. Right. You know? Right. When it becomes a habit, when, when bad attitudes towards the kids become a habit, Right. Uh, you know, I kind of judge that, but like once in a while, everyone's human. You know what I'm saying? No one, no one is completely happy all the time. And it's just, right. that's just reality. Yeah. That's not normal. No. Well, uh, shifting gears ever so slightly. Uh, I enjoy bitching about parenting as much as you guys, probably not as much as Tasha. <laughs> but I do enjoy it. I wanted to talk about uh, Jim Carrey's interview on Bill Maher. Uh, Einhorn is cool. Where he discusses how we should embrace socialism. <clears throat> he said specifically, uh, oh, where was it? Oh, we have to say yes to socialism to the word and everything. We have to stop apologizing. So this is in regards to, you know, Democrats shifting, I say shifting, sprinting more and more to the left, uh, to the extreme left. <laughs> and um, he justifies it by saying, I grew up in Canada, okay? We have socialized medicine. I'm here to tell you that this bullshit line that you get on all of the political shows is that it is a failure. The system is a failure in Canada. It is not a failure in Canada. I never waited for anything in my life. I chose my own doctors. My mother never paid for a prescription. It was fantastic. And he goes on to say, when discussing about why Canadians are so nice, he says, they can be nice because they have health care, because they have a government that cares about them. So I guess if you're a nice person, it's because you have health care. So everyone you've ever met who isn't nice doesn't have health care. Well, here's, <laughs> here's, here's what I think. I think because health care is the precursor occurred, for kindness. Right. I, I think one of two things occurred during that I'm Canadian and Canadian health care is great speech. Either he's just a lucky person who's never had a specialized medical need or, or anyone in his family did, or he's absolutely lying to push this narrative because everything I've heard from Canadians is that it sucks and that a lot of times the ones with money come to the States because they don't want to wait eight months to get whatever treatment they need. So, right. Well, that's what, you know, that's what you're hearing about in the UK is that people are being put in waiting lines for months and months before they can see a specialist, which is different than, you know, seeing just a normal practitioner. Like, sure. you know, I'm sure you can go see a doctor and, right. you know, get your checkup, get your physical, 
but if something's wrong with you and you need, you know, surgery, you're having to wait a lot longer because there aren't as many specialists because there's not an incentive to become a specialist when, you know, you have fixed pricing on what you're, on what everything can cost. And, you know, the, when the monetary incentive isn't there, then, you know, if you're that smart, if you're smart enough to become a brain surgeon or a heart surgeon, you're going to probably be smart enough to do a lot of other things that make a lot more money in non-socialized fields. Yeah. And that's why I said, maybe he just never had any, spe- you know, specialized medical needs or anyone in his family did. And that's why he feels that way. But I mean, he's lived in Canada, you know, so I'm sure he's known somebody at some point who needed something done and couldn't get it done in a timely manner. So I, you know, it's whatever. And he said something that I agree with too, but he said there are certain people in society that need to be taken care of. There are people without as many opportunities that need to be helped toward those opportunities. There are people who are sick. You shouldn't have to lose your home because your mother got sick. Okay. So I agree with that. I think most people would agree with that. However, it's not, again, falls under volunteerism and it falls more on the side of you know charity and the church or whatever group that you know you're a part of just people who genuinely care they should be compelled to give out of the kindness and generosity of their own hearts they shouldn't be forced by the threat of a gun to give up their earnings just to take care of someone else you know listen simply put Nobody should ever be forced to do anything they don't want to do by the government. But maybe we're in the minority. Maybe the majority of people, or maybe there is a huge group of people that genuinely believe that we should be forced to give up our, you know, earnings, what we do, a portion of our income, and we should be forced to give it to those who have less. Typically, I feel like it's the people who have less already that feel that the wealthy should have to give up their earnings, you know? I mean, I have less. Right, but... I don't, I don't think anybody should... I don't, I don't think any, like, billionaire should be forced to give me money. Yeah, but you think That's critically. Ridiculous. You, you got to, like, take your critical thinking hat off for a second and try to get into the head of someone who, you know, okay... I don't have as much. This person has a lot. It wouldn't, I can't afford it. This person doesn't need a yacht or insert whatever thing that they have that, you know, you're incapable of ever getting. So they're wasting money on things that they want when they could be helping me. I am not saying that in a time of need or a time of weakness that I do not get jealous of other people because it has occurred. (laughs) Right. That's human. I try not to make it a thing, you know, for my own, you know, goodness. But, um, but no, I don't ever think, shit, I don't got money for that and I need it. Look at this guy and his fucking yacht. I think I didn't do as much in life as this guy did. My bad. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? And, and now if I have an issue, I will figure it out somehow whether I ask for help from my family, my friends, or I just figure it out on my own. I don't think that people should be forced to give me money. That is ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to claim poverty. I'm not. I'm not impoverished. But, you know, but my point is, is that 
I was actually told by a very good friend of mine a while back when I started, just started sort of seeing the point of view of the right and not totally disagreeing with it. This is maybe like four or five years ago. I remember having a conversation with a very good friend and she told me, you're not really in a place in life to feel that way. And I was like, well, I'm, I can only feel the way I feel. <laughs> you know, right. what does that mean? I'm not right. in a place in life to feel that way. That, that, was, that was a ridiculous statement. She probably I mean, saw I, herself in the same position as you or a similar position and thought like, well, I think this way. How can you possibly think different when we're doing, you know, running in the same circles? Right. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think she kind of falls into identity politics a little bit. She happens to be a lesbian, um, but she's an extremely smart person. I mean, I think she's got like a ridiculous IQ of like 172 or something crazy. Um, you know, and when she said that, it, 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 it gave me pause to think, but I didn't change my mind when I, when I was done thinking about it. I was like, no, that's not really, I don't really like the way that statement came out. Like, you know, because I'm not really in a place in life. And, and a lot of people fall into that sort of thinking. And, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's groupthink. It, it's what Tasha said a couple of weeks ago about groupthink. Like, it's once you're, once you see someone in your group or that you think is in your group think differently, suddenly you're mm -hmm. forced to question, okay, why do I think the way I think? So you do one of two things. You either, you know, do some digging and critical thinking or, you say that the other person's wrong in their thinking. That way you don't have to do any actual self-work. You get to go right. ahead and pin it on them. You know, something's wrong with you, Chris. Like something, you're the one that's leaving the flock. You know, you're the one that's deciding to go away from the herd as opposed to uh, just agreeing with us and staying in your tribe. Right. No, I don't know. I'm sorry. I've, I've always kind of just been a trend bucker. As a kid, I used to do it all the time for no reason. Like, oh, that's trendy? I don't like it. And I didn't have a good reason not to like it. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I fall into the other category, the, the exact opposite. No, no. I just go against, I go against the trend. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just, I don't understand the, the calls for socialism. Like, this is, you know, you hear people, oh, you know, Democrats, liberals, don't, they don't want all-out socialism. You know, they're, they're just a little to the left. And now you have, you know, celebrities saying, oh, no, we need to go ahead and embrace socialism. We need to. And the thing is, it's people like Jim Carrey. It's people with high net worths who. Right, right. I was just going to say that. Yeah, who don't believe that they're going to be affected by it. It's like, oh, this, I'm, I'm worth millions and millions and millions of dollars, like, you know, socialism wouldn't affect me because I'm not one of the one of the peasants that would, that the system would actually affect. You know, I get to be on top for a little bit for a little bit longer. Well, not to get too far off the subject, but I think Jim Carrey has um, is having a really hard time figuring out who he is. Because over the last couple of years, he's like jumped in and out of several different groups. He was a truther for a minute. And then he was like, oh, never mind, that's not enough fun. <laughs> and then he was, like, into psychedelics real hardcore and, like, trolling anyone who tried interviewing him. Do you guys remember that phase? Like, every time someone tried interviewing him, he just fucked with them. He just went all Crisp and Glover on him? Uh, yeah, just, like, like talking in, like, just ab abstract stories and people were like, what? what are you... Like, he was just trolling people, screwing with them. Because... 
because he was like taking psychedelics every day. Oh yeah, and he would and be like, a socialist. he'd be like, oh, are we really here? Is this really this? Are we right. really us? And yeah, no, I I remember that. But it's like, so you know, he's jumping on this. He yeah, he well. Just knock my headphones out. <laughs> Sorry, but I think he's had some brilliant things to say in his um existential crisis if you will sure but ultimately i think that he has largely lost his grip on reality <laughs> if i'm being honest no i completely Is agree it? with that uh, again he doesn't think that something like that would affect him you know he's living amongst the one percent so right you know he speaks in terms of this system would work for you guys, because I don't have to deal with it. Like, I have enough money where I can go anywhere right, in the world I want. Yeah. Over here with my money, and I'm going to paint some more. Yeah, like, there's no actual thought of, you know, if these people really, really felt this way, <laughs> they would, you know, be giving exorbitant amounts of money to the United States government. They would be writing huge checks once tax season rolls around instead of the minimum right. of what they owe. By the way, did you see the uh, virtue signaling he did with his brand new, fresh off the rack Nikes? Oh, oh yeah, with yeah. his, I just bought some Freedom, some Freedom Nikes. I think he, he referred, yeah, Freedom Friendly Nikes. Yes. And I love it because I'm starting to realize that the left is very predictable because I already know what the argument yes. is going to be. Like, if you were to say to him, well, you know, Nike and their sweatshops and all that stuff, he would say, well, that's a product of capitalism. That's not Nike's fault. <laughs> like, like, I already know their arguments now. And that, that's sort of disheartening to me. It's just like, there's no excitement there anymore. I, I don't even want to argue with these people anymore. Well, I know what you're going to say before you know what you're going to say. Yeah, it makes like, it easy to come up with it. But again, that's a critical thinking skill, the ability to see things from another side. And like, right, unless right. you can argue your point against yourself to where you know, your point still makes sense to you, then you don't really understand what you believe. Like you, right. you know, call out their cognitive dissonance and they are just like, nope. <laughs> 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 yeah. they, don't, they don't care. And we all predicted this was going to happen too. When this whole Colin thing, how do you say his last name? Kaepernick. 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 Just pretend the E is I'm not a football person. So Kaepernick. So when this whole Kaepernick thing started, or when the thing was announced, when it was announced he's with Nike, even though he's been with them since, what, 2012, something like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when this whole ad campaign was announced, we're like, okay, this is just a little neoliberalism ploy. Like, this is marketing. This is all it is, you know? <clears throat> and then a week later, what comes out in, like, Forbes and Newsweek, it's all about how this marketing campaign worked and look at Nike stocks are up 31%. Um, I mean, just yeah. stocks revenue or whatever. No, Nike, yeah. Yeah, their stocks up. They, they're back to where they were a week ago and, and, and like, then some. This is stupid. You neolibs played right into this capitalist game that's being played and you're the freaking pawn. Well, you know? Okay, yes to that, but I also like how specifically people on the right, you know, the concern, you know, the super ultra conservatives, the the Trump supporter 
that was, you know, sharing articles and commenting about, oh, Nike, Nike's really going to feel it. They lost $4 billion in one day. It's like, no, they, okay, first of all, you don't understand how the stock market works. It's not that their stock went down and they had to give out $4 billion. It was the value of the company. And, you know, within seven days from that, now it's up. So, you know, it, they've actually made money, you know, their value's actually gone up. And so the, those people who were making those comments have really, really shut up since then. Which I find hilarious because it's, you know, I, I saw it all over, you know, my Twitter feed and, you know, Facebook groups of people just, oh, no, Nike pissed off the wrong people. Now they're going to see profits plunge. And it's like, I, I, I feel like Nike probably knows their demographic and the people who buy their shoes better than you do, you know, Billy Bob. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was just all a nice little neo-lib money grab. That's all it was. That's all it was. And it's, you know, that's why the cognitive dissonance about slave labor can't really even be called out because they're just totally blinders on. Nope, nope, nope. It's about racism. Well, I'm <laughs> just pissed off. Supporting anti-racism endeavors in the country. I'm just pissed off oh, that they were nice. able to profit off virtue signaling. Like they found a way to make money from virtue signaling. They've, well, I mean, don't be pissed. It's freaking brilliant. No, I know it's no. brilliant. I'm upset because I didn't come up with it first. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that a lot of higher-ups at Nike are conservative. I really wouldn't. Oh, right. Totally. I, because because they totally, understand how to manipulate the market. Yeah, they're, they're puppeteering. And yeah. I mean, good for, good for them. This is, you know, it's their capitalistic right to be able to do it. But I just, you know, it's just funny to me that, that liberals, like, are so excited to be puppeted you know what i mean like they're just right. they, they get so excited like oh someone's gonna use me i love it well my right, buddy right. my buddy's actually working on a t-shirt design that of just obama that says still my president and then he wants to take all the money he makes from it and then give it to a church or some sort of originally we said we should just give it to the trump campaign 2020 but he was like eh, i'd probably rather give it to a church uh, do you guys want to talk at all about this uh grudge match steel cage fight that's 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 going down did you guys i didn't send you guys the this image but it was basically uh if things are going so bad in america under trump why is obama trying to take credit for it isn't that really confusing <laughs> like doesn't that like make your head hurt like it's like yeah. oh if, th if things are that terrible if america is you know going down in flames then why is obama trying to take credit for it you know didn't he say that you can't wave a magic wand and have four percent gdp growth and then all of a sudden it's like bippity boppity boo 4.2 gdp growth what else is confusing is that you know obama who likes to play to the socialists is trying to take credit for being what uh capitalistically successful like look what i did with the the financial issues you know in in our capitalist society proving that capitalism works i just don't how do these people put these thoughts together they don't that's the problem they, they don't. don't think and about they, it. that's what makes them able to talk out of both sides of their mouths capitalism is evil let's go buy new nikes you know <laughs> i love it and this recovery this recovery 
started, you know, in 2008, 2009, but it wasn't, I mean, you know, it wasn't nearly this. It was what, what was Obama's best year of GDP? I got it couldn't have been over three though. 2015, I believe. Obama's best year. Yeah, it started then. So it started in 2008-ish. And we were told at the election that everything was going to tank. Yes. And that the stock market was going to crash and our, like, everything was just going to just, you know. Well, and everybody's going to be poor all of a sudden and it was going to be... Like, you know, fascist work camps for everybody. Yes, uh, under Obama, it GDP grew at the slowest rate of any president ever. Or excuse me, of it grew below the national average since 1953. So, do you you know what I think is happening? Tinfoil hat. I think Obama is going to run for vice. You can't run well. What do you mean run for actually, vice? He's gonna... I, I did a little bit of digging. I did a little bit of digging. He actually can. He's going to be on someone's ticket? Yes. I think, yes. I think he's, someone's going to run and take him on as their vice. And from everything I've read, the Constitution reads that if you are constitutionally not eligible for president, then you can't run for vice president. But someone who has been president so can no longer be elected again can serve in an unelected role. So technically, he's not constitutionally prohibited from being president, so he can run for vice president. And I also read, looking into this, that it wouldn't even come up until after they got elected, Obama and whoever, Biden or, or whoever. Um, it wouldn't be until after they were elected that it would even be an issue that people would dig into it. And at that point, you know nobody's going to dig into it. All right. Well, I think people have already dug into it. It's the 22nd Amendment. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure it's been dug into because everybody's thinking, oh, yes, and then we could just have this Obama and Clinton legacy going forward with all of the Clinton and Obama daughters. <laughs> you know, it's insane. Right. Yeah, for a country that doesn't want a monarch, we kind of want a monarch. Like, we... Oh, absolutely. You know, right. it's like, oh, we should vote for Clinton, even though we've already had a Clinton and, you know, Bushes keep running and, you know, right. we, we like so desperately want what the people in the UK have. Like we want that Royal family. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially if it's Obama, they love their barrio. Yep. Yeah. No, it's I have a friend who posted something, um, you know, if we want to compare presidents, I mean, we're, we, and this is just a tangent, just made me think of it. We were talking about, um, you know, the growth that he's taking credit for. A friend posted this earlier. He said, never in history have we had a president before who had such close ties with Russia, fired the FBI director and all the attorneys general. This is a blatant new dangerous president who is filled to the brim with undeniable corruption, who forced immigrant children out of the arms of their family with federal agents and gunpoint with fully automatic weapons. Really, what does a 10-year-old have that is such a threat to you, you piece of shit? talking about we are a nation of laws, we need to increase our border patrol. And after hurricanes hit the lower Atlantic, used hundreds of millions of dollars from the UN and donations and refused to help the starving people instead of built him, and instead built himself a resort and put his brother in charge. He's a criminal, named this president. 
Bill Clinton. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> I was trying to think. I was like, well, I was like, because, yeah. Oh, I was going to talk about it. But you know, you read the whole thing. I was reading it. I was like, oh my gosh, are you actually saying this about, who are you? Like, this guy is a conservative guy, you well, know? And I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell happened to you? You know? Oh, I'm like, and, it's funny because I was like, oh, those are all half truths and fun stories. Well, like, it was like what? Like, they were talking about Haiti, right? As far as the natural disaster that occurred in the, Atlantic. Right, right. All the money that the Clinton Foundation got, and then suddenly it's like none of it went to Haiti. Right, right. It went to, what, Chelsea's wedding or something, didn't it? Well, it's like as soon, I mean, it was a pay-for-play scheme. Like, as soon as Hillary Clinton lost, they've pretty much shut down a big portion of the Clinton Foundation because it's like, oh, okay, people aren't giving us money anymore because there's no point because we have no power. So, you know, they can't buy influence. Mm. Right. It's like, you know, all these people on the left think that these people are so not corrupt. But who was on the stage at uh, Aretha Franklin's funeral? Bill Clinton. Who was he sitting with? Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, like all of these Al Sharpton. corrupt. Al Sharpton. All these crazy corrupt people. Louis Farrakhan, who wants all Jews exterminated. Well, you yeah, know, but, it but still they're black. Me, it, it still kills me that the black community doesn't want Al Sharpton dead on a stick. It really drives me insane. And I, I, I've talked to a lot of black people who know what Al Sharpton is, but they don't care because they think the end justifies the means. And even though they know that he's a con man, he's using them, they like what he's saying, so it's okay. And I'm just like, wow, guys. Like, I just... Okay. I just I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't intellectually get behind any group who's happy to be exploited or who's right. willing to be exploited. I'll put it that way. It's that like I just, and the white, the, the white people who have white guilt. It's, I, I can never yeah. understand both of those. I'll never be able to wrap my head, my head around people right. who are okay with well, being seen is, as victims constantly. Unless you're a Mayflower descendant, unless you're a Mayflower descendant in this country, your family literally had nothing to do with slavery or indigenous genocide. Nothing. Sure. Nothing. But, you know, everybody who's white or white passing in any kind of fashion is supposed to carry this mantle of things that their ancestors actually had nothing to do with. Well, we kind of need to like, I need to make a list for next show that I'm just going to read off, read off. That's, uh, everything that's cultural appropriation that, you know, white people made. So that, you know, like, you know, we'll just start it off and just be like, okay, English. Uh, if you speak it, you're appropriating culture. <laughs> that's funny. That's a good one. You know, and just we go from also there. We should do one of all of the things that men invented that women benefit from, like hormonal birth control. Well, benefit from, like hormonal birth control. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Or, or this perceived right of abortion. Or, uh, let's see, uh, women's suffrage, since the majority right. of the people who put that into law were men. Yeah? Like, right. How about, how about electricity? Nobody who isn't white is allowed to use electricity. Yeah, if you invented it, then, you, then no one else can use it. 
Oh, you know what, though? We're, gonna, we're totally going to get called white nationalists now, and we'll end up on the SPLC with Revenge of the Sith. You watch. I, I, do, I do have to say, though, I like peanut butter way too much, so I don't want to... A black guy invented peanut butter, and I want to be allowed to eat it, so... All right, there is that video of all the things we're not supposed to use because black people invented them. What else is on it? I don't... Also, jazz. I don't know. I mean, all sorts mm -hmm. of things. I saw some kid get... I saw some kid get beaten up one time for having dreadlocks, and then I immediately had to do some research and be like, oh, the Vikings had them. Oh, the, like, back right. in, like, Greek and Roman times, they had dreadlocks. Right. Like, gladiators had dreadlocks so their hair wouldn't get in their way. Though, to be fair, most of the white people who get dreadlocks today are not doing it because the Vikings had it. They're doing it because they sympathize with Jamaicans or something along those lines. Right, and they're not actually locking their hair, they're matting it. Yeah. <laughs> what's the difference? difference? Asking for a friend. What's that? I said, what's the difference? I'm asking for a friend. Well, so they're, you know, like, hair that, uh, so that's the way I can describe it is because I knit and I know how to spin wool, too. So wool especially, and then some, of course, are hair. The, the way that the hair is, it kind of is a little bit more, it's more coarse and it's more kind of barbed. Mm. So <clears throat> as it, <clears throat> excuse me, as it twists together and whatnot, it just kind of locks together. So it locks, it actually locks, the hair locks together. Um, whereas matting, you know, if you have ever been around a toddler who doesn't want his hair brushed long enough, they get their hair just kind of sticks in one spot and it looks like um or like a dog dog matted dog hair oh okay you know like that it's just is gross and it's it doesn't work and it usually is very smelly because it's not washed i have seen right. white people with really beautiful locks that are actually like very well done you know they've got their locks crocheted like they've got their hair all crocheted together and it's beautiful it's beautifully done very well maintained but most white people with locks, it's not, it's not real. Okay, so in the next <laughs> couple of weeks, hair. then I'm going to get dreadlocks. <clears throat> All well, right, sounds good. I actually considered getting it one time, but then I found out I couldn't wash my hair, and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, a, see, that's not actually true. See, you, can, that's, you just that's, have to be really careful with it. That's why I'm going to uh, do it now, because I've been educated. That's why I was asking. I was led I to believe to the same thing. I my hair. Like, my, all my hair, I've got a couple pictures on my Facebook. I had all like really long fake braids put in my hair, but it was all very tiny braids. Mm. And I did it for dance. Like I wanted this big, beautiful thing. And my mentor had her hair all braided too. So I was like, I'm going to do that. It was way too heavy. It lasted a week and I took it out. <laughs> I just mm. didn't want to ruin my hair, you know? So nobody owns hair. Like <laughs> nobody owns a hairstyle. Well, we got to figure out who the yeah. first person to have hair was and then we can appropriate it to them. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking Adam and Eve, if you believe in creation stories. <laughs> but we just don't you know, know what they look like. No, we don't. No pictures. Okay. Um, guys, we should shill. Uh, Wait, can we talk about the Gulags? Oh, for snap. Yeah, I totally forgot oh, about yeah. Gulags. Because, you know, I've heard that it's a spa day. According to uh, this university in uh, UK, um, let me pull it up here really quick. So we, if we uh, 
you know, we're living in Russia at the time, we would have been <clears throat> treated compassionately in our re-education and rehabilitation in the gulags. It was a compassionate, loving thing to be sent to the gulags, you see. They were loving the people who they put there. Mm. And, and the reason why this came up was on Twitter, there was a, a thread by the uh, goldsmiths in, in the UK uh, the LGBTQ plus goldsmiths tweeted, here's a mini thread, and the tweet is now gone, but it says, here's a mini thread to clarify what gulag is for those who have only heard it being used as a buzzword and why sending a bigot to one is actually a compassionate, nonviolent course of action. And the whole thing is <laughs> hilarious. It was hilarious. I watched it live happen. It was amazing. And... Um, they're like, first of all, the USSR no longer exists, therefore gulags no longer exist. Um, but then they're like, we need to set, you know, the, the phrase gets used a lot, turfs get sent to the gulag, or bigots get sent to the gulag, racists get sent to the gulag, in order to correct our behavior, because we're engaging in wrong things, you see. Yeah. Just and this a is quick, quick, a quick observation. Sure, go ahead. Quick. Nazism, period. Go ahead. I know, I know it, I know it. <laughs> And it's like, okay, they're saying that this is compassionate and nonviolent. But as our friend Justin pointed out, the gulags were worse than the Nazi concentration camps. Well, I wasn't even saying that. I was saying that, you know, Justin trying... pointed that out. Justin said that. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, I don't, I believe it. I don't have, you know, the knowledge to know whether that's true or not, but I believe it. Um, yep. And Justin's usually a very good source of information. Sure, sure. I believe it too. I totally believe it. But what I meant by Nazism is so we're trying to untrain and retrain the people we disagree with. That sounds like Nazism. Right. It's totally thought control. And here it says, they go on to say educational work was a prominent feature of the Soviet penal system. There were regular classes, book clubs, newspaper editorial teams, sports, <laughs> theater, and Knitting performance groups. All in the gulags. You could even go get a pedicure and a manicure and a facial. <laughs> Just as long as your day at the spa was a re-education to communist groupthink. Mm -hmm. That's basically what they're saying. No, no, no. It was happy place. We did crafts, arts and crafts, and there were rainbows. I got to say, I think it's great that the school actually came down on them. I, I, I just... That's that's awesome, and and I hope that they are rethinking their position today. I know they aren't, but I'm hoping that they are. Well, and see, the significance of this is that, uh, so they were specifically talking about TERFs with regard to TERFs get the gulag, and um, the thing is, is they built these big blocker lists. I'm on several of them, in fact. They call it their TERF blocker lists. That way, people just automatically shut these, peop these people on this list out and never hear an opposing viewpoint. Right. They only get the echo chamber of the right think group because everybody else has been sent to the turf locker gulag. That they really want to send to an actual gulag because we refuse to buy their right. delusions. It's you a know? compassionate, nonviolent way of treating bigots. Compassionate, oh. nonviolent. Yeah, yeah. Tell that to me next time they sprinkle glass on my sidewalk. Gosh, you know? I mean, horrifying. Tell me nonviolence. You know, it's ridiculous. But 
Yeah, gulags, they're rewriting history. You know, they trans people in the past and they pretend that eunuchs were transgender and now gulags are a compassionate, nonviolent approach to re-education. So why, why is it that they're still against Hitler though? Like we can embrace Stalin. I don't know. But, I have but no idea. We can embrace Stalin now because we want socialism, but you know, still fuck Hitler. What? what? Like I don't. <laughs> they don't understand their own political theories because they don't actually have any political theories. They, and right. these are buzzwords because they've never studied them. Like we all knew what gulags were, mm-hmm. you know, because we paid attention. Because we took social studies when they were actually teaching sort of reality. I've got a funny book in here, actually, and I picked it up for laughs. It's called Marxism or Marx for Beginners. Do you see that? Yeah. (laughs) Marx for Beginners. And it's a cartoon book about Marx. Are you sure it's Karl, not Groucho? How can you summarize the work of Karl Marx in cartoons? It took Rias to do it. He's put it all in. The origins of Marxist philosophy, history, economics, of capital, labor, the class struggle, socialism, and there's a biography of Charlie Marx besides. Like its companion volume, Lenin for Beginners, it's accurate, understandable, and very, very funny. Um, And it's by Rius, R-R-I-U-S. And it's hilarious. And it's very well done and very accurate. And how anybody could read even this funny version of Marxist theory and walk away. And I mean, we're not talking about Stalin, obviously, just, but I had this. And like, this is about what people are reading <laughs> in right. colleges these days. And then, oh, yeah, I can totally get behind that. When this is like accurately making fun of it as a most ridiculous concept politically, you know? And I imagine the Lenin one is, is much the same. And I wonder if there's one on Stalin because that would be brilliant mm. and Hitler too. And it's like, did you not pay any kind of attention to how absolutely murderous and crazy all of these totalitarian type leaders were? I just, I just want these people who are pushing these sort of narratives <clears throat> to realize that they are dangerously close to Nazism. No, they're not perpetuate you know they're not they're not calling for violence <laughs> at the moment but neither was hitler in the beginning um but a lot of them are though and i don't think a lot of people understand that they are calling for violence they're even they're even doing it in such a way as to make themselves look victimless or like like the victims and blameless in the uk so there's sticker woman and we briefly talked about her but she's a She's a concept, and it's a bunch of women all over the world who are activists, and they've got penis stickers, and they say hey, women don't have penises. And they, in all over the UK, they're sticking them up everywhere. Well, there's a Twitter campaign in the UK of trans activists pulling images off of Google of finger injuries and saying that turfs are putting razor blades behind their stickers so that when you pull them off, you get cut. And it's not true. Like they're they're waging inciting violence by perpetuating the lies. This is like satanic panic when parents thought people were putting razor blades in apples, you know? Yeah. It's the same freaking thing. And how people are not tuned into that just blows my freaking mind. 
mind. Isn't that worse? The the example <clears throat> you just gave, isn't that worse than what Alex Jones is being vilified for? Yes, it is. I think that it is. I think Alex Jones is freaking crazy. I think he's a total clown. Absolutely. I think he serves a purpose in media. I really do think he does. But he's not calling for violence or even implying that we enact any kind of violence on anybody. These people are. And I know that you're not as in tuned into that whole world as I am. So I need to tell you, yes, they are calling for violence. Okay. I've got a stack of police reports that proves it just for myself, you know. And there are websites that document <laughs> the violence just based on ideology. Just based on the ideology of it. So then back to my original point, this is dangerously close to Nazism. Yes, it is. It is. Well, it, it is. They, they want to instill fascism, and they're saying that we're the ones who are fascists. We're the ones who want to live in reality and call things what they are, and they're saying that we're the fascists when they want to make up a whole new world that, that it's totally in their imaginations, and it's subjective. Like each one of them have their own world happening, but they all want this fascist stranglehold on society. Yeah. So, shell time? Shell time. <laughs> okay, so come follow us on, <laughs> on the Twitter. Um, we are at Illusions, D-E-S-T-R-1. Yes, and on the Instagrams. Uh, at Illusions Destroyed, and share this with your friends on Facebook. And Tasha, you are? I am Tasha Rose Radmam, R-A-D-M-A-M, on Twitter. And you can find me, Radical Mothering, on YouTube and Facebook. And then we're also on anywhere you can pick up podcasts, too. Yes, we are. Spotify. Do we have a, do we have a Donate to Us account yet? Not yet. Can we do that? I'll get that set up tomorrow now that I have time to do that. So I'll just set up a PayPal and for we're now. We're going to start um, showing up here with guests in the near future. Too. Yes. Yes, we are. So Absolutely. get ready for that. for that. And uh, if you'd like to be a guest, just let us know and make mm -hmm. sure you have something valuable to contribute. Right. Make your case, not just... I think I'm cool and I want to be on your show because I think you're cool. Like, yeah. we know we're cool. Yeah, we know we're great. We don't need you to we come on our show cool to confirm too, that. But that's no reason to have you on the show. Like, give us a reason. Agreed. Totally agreed. All right, world. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, and we will see you on Thursday. Stay classy. Bye. <laughs> Bye.